Welcome to Discovering You, a podcast that explores the intricacies of personality and how it impacts the way we navigate through life. What will you discover today? Hi, listeners. Hi, Heather. Hi there. Today, I'm going to deconstruct the dominance factor in DISC. What does it mean to have a high D in your DISC profile? What are your motivators or triggers? What if you're not a high D but work or live with someone who is? Is there an ideal way to understand and communicate with them? I'm going to delve into all of that. But first, here is this month's DISC illustration. And I really hope we have some Schitt's Creek fans listening. If you haven't watched it, I highly recommend it. I binge watched it at the beginning of the pandemic, and it was one of the few things that consistently put a smile on my face and made me laugh out loud. The reason I chose this to be the disc comparison is that while I was working on this episode, Heather and I had a meeting right around the corner from where the show was filmed. For the fans, yes, it was the Rosebud Motel. We paid it a visit and snapped some photos. You can see me standing right outside of David and Alexis's room on my social media, so have a look. Without further ado, here is Disc, according to the Rose family, on Schitt's Creek. The high D in this family of four is Moira. She knows what she wants and she goes for it. She is determined to succeed despite the challenging circumstances that she finds herself in. And while she has quite an extensive and creative vocabulary, she can be quite direct, aka harsh and blunt, while making a point. Gotta love Moira. High I, hands down, this is Alexis. And speaking of hands, she epitomizes the quintessential hand-talking high eye. Alexis is very animated, loves people, is spontaneous, and stylish. High S is the patriarch of the family, Johnny. He manages to remain calm, at least outwardly, amidst the torrent of emotions that frequently erupt all around him. He plods along, putting one foot in front of the other, and never gives up the struggle to get his family back on their feet. Last, but certainly not least, and my personal favorite, David is the high C. He is cautious, he has very high standards, is quite particular about how things should be done, and is very organized. I'm picturing his side of the room compared to Alexis's. Heather, you're also a fan. Who's your favorite character? I'm a huge fan, and I also binge-watched at the beginning of the pandemic. My personal favorite from the family is also David. But if I'm honest, my personal favorite from the entire show is Patrick. Oh, I love Patrick because he doesn't come in and think until maybe season three. I don't even know. It's how I stayed on my Peloton bike the whole time (laughs) at the beginning of the pandemic. Honestly, and it, it was. It was like a salvation. I just it was feel good, smiling, laughing. I would guess Patrick is probably a high S. Mm just that calm and really caring about others. I use Moira as the Heidi example. And to tie that into today's topic, some other female TV characters that demonstrate Heidi are Wendy Bird from Ozark, Claire Underwood from House of Cards, and on a much lighter note, Elaine Bennis from Seinfeld. Some real-life public figures that exemplify Heidi are Serena Williams, Simon Cowell, Kamala Harris, and Tony Robbins. People who are very high in D often are leaders, business owners, entrepreneurs, 
That's not a coincidence. The level of drive, big picture thinking, focus on results, and high tolerance for risk is well suited to that. So in certain industries and roles, high dominance is prevalent. But D is actually the least representative of the factors across the general population. I was quite surprised to learn that, probably because a large percentage of my clients are high Ds, and as well, a couple of immediate family members. You know who you are. Listeners, if you're unsure of whether you are high in dominance or not, here's a quick way to get an idea. I'm going to read five questions that are on a standard DISC questionnaire, and then I'll reveal the answers that typically align with dominance. I'm only doing five for the purposes of keeping it brief, but a typical DISC questionnaire has 24 questions. Each question consists of four words, and you are going to select if the word is most like you or least like you. You may find it challenging to choose between words, and that's very common. The DISC assessment is ipsative, which means a forced choice between two or more favorable options. My advice is to go with your first reaction and don't overthink it. Okay, so here are the words for question one. Perfectionist, obedient, determined, playful. I'll give you a minute to determine which of these words most describes you and which one least describes you. If you chose determined as most like you, and obedient as least like you, that aligns with high D. Number two, aggressive, gregarious, unsuspecting, fearful. If you selected aggressive as most and fearful as least, you likely have some high dominance in your profile. Number three, respectful, pioneering, optimistic, accommodating. I feel like we should be playing Jeopardy music here for while people are are thinking and answering. If you picked pioneering as most like you and accommodating as least like you, that's representative of high D. Number four, admirable, kind, resigned, forceful. If you're thinking forceful for most and resigned for least, that's high D behavior. Finally, number five, competitive. Considerate, happy, harmonious. Do you want to take a crack at this one, Heather? Absolutely. I think most like me is competitive Mm -hmm. and least like me is considerate. Okay. Yep. You got it right. That would be most and least like high Ds. So hopefully that gives you a general idea if your D factor is high or not. And by the way, High doesn't mean good, and low doesn't mean bad. For every strength that being high in a factor brings, there is a challenge that comes along with it too. I will get into the strengths and challenges of high D in a few minutes. So what is high D's preferred communication style? It's direct and to the point. They don't see a need for unnecessary chit-chat and will dive right into the topic at hand. What motivates them? Tangible goals, competition, and winning. They know what they want and they have their eye on the prize. What are their fears? Failure, missing goals or targets, and a lack of control. Let me take a second to clarify what I mean by failure. Some people may interpret it as the fear to try things lest they fail. This isn't the case for Heidi's. The fear is about not achieving the desired result. 
So they will absolutely keep trying because in their eyes, failure is not an option. They will keep driving themselves until they succeed. How do they react to conflict? Ds thrive in conflict and will rise to the occasion. Now, this doesn't mean they are always instigating conflict, but they do well in high-pressure situations. Their pace is quick, and they ask what questions. So what do I mean by that? They will say things like, what is the objective? Or what do I need to do to achieve this quickly? It's really quite amazing when you become aware of this. If you're listening to a high D or reading a text or email, you will definitely notice all the what questions. During training sessions, I'll often reference observable behaviors that are linked to the certain personality styles, such as using your hands when talking, hello, hi eyes, and Alexis. But once COVID hit, we were in a scenario where face-to-face contact was reduced, and it was more of a struggle to gather clues to determine which style your prospect, customer, client was. It became really important to pay attention to language, which words were being used, and how were they being said? A lot of my clients were reaching out to me and asking how they could continue to make meaningful connections, especially with new prospects, because of the limited opportunity to get a sense of their personality. I developed a talk specifically around this, and one of the ways you can pick up on clues is looking at the words or phrases that are being used. I looked at the messages I received, and the advantage I have is that I know the profiles of most of my clients, and I have to tell you, it was uncanny how it lined up in accordance to their disc. Even looking at my own correspondence and the words that I use often came up. But we'll find out more about that during the highest episode. Ds are all about taking action and that shows up in their language as well. With high Ds, along with the what questions, you'll notice that they use action-driven words and phrases like, let's move on this or can you get it done? Whether you are literally managing someone as their boss or mentor, or just managing a relationship, here are some key things to focus on. Know what they expect and want. Heidi's want freedom, power, rewards, opportunity to grow. The best management strategies to adopt with a Heidi is to be direct and straightforward. Remember that they like a challenge and the ability to negotiate. You'll want to focus on results and goals. Use questions like, What outcome would you like to see? What barriers are there to your goals? How can I help you achieve your goals? And to gain commitment, be direct and factual, highlight the result, and ask directly if they are on board. For every disc factor, there are strengths associated with it, as well as challenges. For high D, the strengths are self-reliant, good in a crisis, welcoming challenges without fear, seeing the big picture, accepting risks, overcoming obstacles, functioning well with a heavy workload. Great stuff, right? Now, some challenges that high Ds face are being an active listener, being attentive to team members' ideas, developing a greater appreciation for the feelings of others, showing support for other team members, and being more approachable. Okay, hopefully this gives you a better understanding of high D. But to go even further, let's explore how high Ds may be perceived by a completely different personality type and how high Ds in turn often view a counter behavioral style to theirs. I run this exercise when coaching according to profile. 
And it's certainly not to make anyone worry about their likability, but it's an exercise in self-awareness. We don't see our characteristics, body language, mannerisms play out the way the person across from us does. So we're not always aware of the messages we're unwittingly sending out. The potential for misinterpretation is huge because if we're engaging with someone with a very different behavioral style to ours, we could get the wrong impression. When I'm coaching the high D, we discuss how their opposite may see them. Here we go. Brash, blunt, pushy, aggressive. Ouch. (laughs) Those don't exactly sound like positive descriptors, do they? And more often than not, as I just mentioned, the person with the high D in their profile doesn't realize this is the perception. Why don't they realize? Here's why. I'm going to list four words that essentially mean the same thing as brash, blunt, pushy, and aggressive, but you'll see how they have a different connotation. And this is the way the high D person sees it. For brash, confident. For blunt, direct. For pushy, ambitious. For aggressive, assertive. Now that it's been reframed, those same behaviors sure look and sound different, don't they? One of the most fulfilling things I get to experience in my job is facilitating these moments where someone's perception shifts and now there is real potential for progress and connection. Now let's flip this and see how high Ds may perceive their opposites. Anxious, defensive, too detailed, superficial. Reframing that to the other point of view, instead of anxious, it's cautious. Instead of defensive, it's protective. Instead of too detailed, it's analytical. And instead of superficial, it's friendly. So there it is again, right? Totally different connotation. Remember this, Heidi's. While people often misunderstand you, you may also be misinterpreting those lowdies. When we use a platform like DISC, it gives us the tools to recognize behavior that is different to ours, but we're able to see it for what it really is rather than misunderstanding it because it's so contrary to our own. Remember, the intention is always to build a bridge to connect with a different style. It's not about being disingenuous, but speaking the other person's language so they can understand and receive the message in a way that resonates with them. This is interesting because I just had a situation like this today. So we have a client who I suspect is a very high D. And so they don't use a lot of punctuation in their text messages. There's not a lot of detail that comes through. And I tend to be surrounded by a lot of high Ds so I can read that pretty well. But one of the girls that works with us, she was feeling anxious about it because she thought she wasn't doing a good job. And so they were getting more and more and more blunt with their text Mm. messages. And when I chatted with her about it, I said, just understand that she's seeing it as being efficient. She's sending a quick text. We need to just make this change. But she was sending a lot of them. And this person wouldn't communicate that way. She would send one email with very detailed one point, two point, three point, do all these things. And as soon as I explained to her, I said, this is kind of how it goes. Don't jump on the first text message. Wait for 10 to come through and then work with that. But it was interesting because as soon as I put the perspective on it and I can have some perspective on a high D and a high C. Yes, you can. That I put that perspective on. She took a breath and was like, okay, it's not me. It's not about me. She's not being blunt with me. She's just being efficient in her text messages by not putting punctuation in 
and using all the words. Awesome. It literally just happened this morning. And so it's very fresh in my mind. Totally. And you know what, Heather, remind me, I'm going to share a spreadsheet I have on that with you. So when I talked earlier in the episode about during COVID, how I really dug deep and looked into this, one of the things that came about in the talk that I developed around it is I have a whole little cheat sheet of how a high D-I-S-C will come across in text. And I think when someone sees that, they're kind of like, oh, right, that's what it's about. So what you're describing for sure, the person sending the messages sounds like a high D and the person that's working with you sounds like a high C who would rather have it all itemized and organized. But I'm going to share that with you. The feedback I get is that it's a really valuable asset to have. Amazing. With that, it's time for the listener question. Do you have any hurdles when incorporating DISC into a workplace? I am a big proponent of it, but there is reluctance from some colleagues and I don't understand why. I think this is a super relevant question and I'm so glad it was asked. Honestly, it's very rare for every single person in an office or on a team to be excited about having a DISC profile done. Typically, it's the leader who's made the decision to do it and the team members may feel nervous about being tested or judged. So communication is crucial to successful implementation. The messaging needs to reflect that it's going to be used for them, not against them. When they realize that their managers are going to customize their approach so they can better understand, connect, and inspire them, they can see how it would be a benefit. It also gives them insights into their manager and coworkers. A key ingredient in the recipe for success, though, is that the leader does their desk profile as well and participates in the experience, ideally in a team-building workshop where everyone has the opportunity to share and learn together. Thanks again for a great question. This is also super relevant because I have a new team member. I'm always wondering how to frame it because I'm a huge proponent, obviously. Yes. (laughs) And the key for me was to send them that initial podcast episode where they could understand what DISC was, what it was about, That was like an icebreaker for them because I never explain it the way that you explain it. And so I feel like lots of people would be in the same boat, right? So this is great. Exactly. And that's why I say it's all how it's framed and communicated. And certainly if they're hiring me, that's a big part of my business proposition is that this is never used to put you in a box, but this is always used to expand the viewpoint and build bridges to connection. That's why I do it. Amazing. If you're interested in connecting with Victoria for team building, strategic onboarding, coaching, or a speaking engagement, you can contact her at discoverwhatworks at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Remember, send in your questions to be featured on a future episode and subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app.